Hi, it's Debbie Derryberry, the voice of Jimmy Neutron, here on Points of Experience. Thanks for joining me. Got a blast into the Points of Experience, everybody. How awesome. My gosh. Uh, Jimmy Neutron, one of my favorite shows we talk about so many cool things in this episode and uh, the cultural icon that Jimmy Neutron has been in over 20 years. I mean, there's it, if you see a hairstyle that looks like Jimmy Neutron's, it's constantly in pop culture. If you just go to like news and type in Jimmy Neutron, which I did in preparation for this episode, constantly people are talking about it in one way or another. Like somebody's got Jimmy Neutron hair or like there's constantly references to this show and these characters. I mean, there's the Nickelodeon all-stars brawl, I believe is the name of the title. Um, you know, it's got a uh, Hugh Neutron in it and hopefully Jimmy will, will make an appearance in that and, and many other things. And it wouldn't be a surprise to me if we see more Jimmy Neutron content in the future, because it is such an amazing show. I loved it as a kid, Carl Weezer and Sheen were some of my favorite characters growing up. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so, it's such a great fond time. I remember just sitting and eating, sugary cereal watching jimmy neutron ah those were the days those were the days uh debbie shares so much with us today on the podcast make sure you check out all of her stuff we link it at the end of the episode but you know go to her website she offers tons of coaching she has a book out which we talk about it is one of my favorite pieces of content to learn about the voiceover industry and how to get into it the voice of many more things than jimmy neutron many people know her for that but we're talking you know JJ the Jet Plane, Crash Bandicoot, Monster High, F is for Family, Genshin Impact, um, uh, Bobby's World, The Addams Family. Her resume is astounding. You know, we talk about her work in Toy Story and how a little moment turned into what we see now. Um, you know, recording on the road, things that are important for actors to understand uh, before you wind up getting an agent. Her, you know, process working on a character that she's done for many years. Um, what it's like, like working with other actors, just general life as a voice actor stuff. There's so much wisdom um, imparted on us in this episode. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So check out DebbieDerryBerry.com. Check out our music on Spotify. We're going to play some of it at the end and all that great stuff. Her book's on Amazon. And uh, we would appreciate it here at the Points of Experience podcast if you could leave us a review on Apple. That is your homework from me, your coach today, um, leaving a review on the Apple podcast. But stick around. And we've got Derry, Debbie Derryberry on the Points of Experience podcast. Yeah, when I came out to LA, I I wound up meeting with all the great agencies. Yeah, and uh, Dean was just one of those really wonderful people that I uh, I felt a connection with, and he kind of got what I was was interested in. And you know, I just I decided to say, hey, let's get into business. You know, <laughs> great. Well, that's uh, a good thing to have an agent that you can uh, connect with. Yes, yes, that's very important because, um, you know, I'm sure you know better than anybody in this business. Like, it's there's so many other things involved, and you you want to be a creative, and you want to be an actor, and those are the things you want to focus on. Yeah. Um, you want the business things to be as kind of like tied up as much as possible, so you can only focus on what you want to do, which is act. Yeah. Um, now, is this your booth you're calling me from? It is. This is my my booth that I I turned one of my rooms into uh, like a fully functional studio. So it's uh, beautiful, just beautiful. Ah, thank you. Yeah, I I mean, 
you you know when you spend so much time in a place you want it to be comfortable and you want to be able to you know do jumping jacks i guess if you want to or <laughs> whatever you might want so for me i had it to, i had to make it green and uh, colorful for me i uh i appreciate yours as well i love everything in the in the uh what are the posters that i can't see next to the jimmy neutron poster oh oh we got even more yeah, I got a lot of posts, a lot of these cells, you know, from stuff I've done. Yes. And that's my booth with the glass there. And yep. the, there's my life with Louie, Emmy thing. And then I have another sound panel there. And then inside the booth, it's uh, it's really cute and purple. So I converted this closet here and um, it's purple. Oh, I love that. And I, I have a... Stool I can sit on, and then have Apple Box, and I have. Uh huh. You know, if you can see my cool, my wife, a yellow tech mic. I got a monitor in here. It's a. It's all set up. Oh my gosh! So when did you? Um, how long have you had this set up, or was there like a, a process of you saying like I want to have a, a booth that I really enjoy and I want it to look like this design wise? When did this all come about to you having it the way you like it now? Well, we were doing a house remodel and um, I needed to put a door in where my uh, other booth was. It was just like one of those the curtains hanging from the ceiling kind of booth. Yeah. And I wanted my students to be able to come in the side door and just be here in my office and go into a booth. So I stole some space. That was a closet back to back. Like mm. there was another closet there. Yeah. And I stole a bunch of it. And then, of course, had Dan Leonard and George Woodham and all the guys come over and show me how to do it. And Dan Bentley at Plenum. So I have some air in there. And yep. um, my husband's a techie. So it was just we were doing a remodel and I needed to dedicate this room for students to come in and not through the main house because it yeah. got to be. I don't know, it was just feeling like I wanted to have a professional dedicated space. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time, as you know, in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to like it and it has to look good. Well, it looks fabulous and Thank kudos. And, and I think that's probably amazing for, for students to be able to like, just, you know, you don't have to have people walking through your kitchen and, and yeah. like doing that to, when you have students come over. Well, I uh, used to do uh, a lot of in-person classes. I'd schedule like five students or six students and they'd come over and I'd do a three and a half hour class. Mm -hmm. they come in and they'd sit and we'd do a whole thing. But um, since pandemic, I don't want anybody here. Yeah. And I mean, once in a while, I'll have somebody over here to record. They wear their mask till they're in the booth and they disinfect before and after. But pretty much we're our, we're solo now. So nice. that door just is like letting fresh air in now. Yeah, which does, <laughs> which doesn't hurt. I mean, it's, right. it's, you know, it gets pretty stuffy when you sit in a, in a, a four by four, or you know, five by yeah. five, whatever it is for a while. Yeah. Um, Debbie, I have to go and give you a little bit of, of praise here. I, I obviously I'm, I'm a voice actor as well. Yeah. And one of the reasons I got into this business was because of people like you. And thanks to, you know, uh, ge generous voice actors of your kind of acclaim, creating resources for voice actors like your book. Um, it, it, it offered kind of an opportunity for me when I was doing acting. There it is right there. The, voiceover 101. The and that's second, the second edition. edition. Yes which I'd love to talk to you about in a second yes. um, because th there wasn't a lot of resources for me when I was first starting because I came from the world of doing theater and on camera. 
And voiceover was kind of like this enigma of a career where it's like if you snuck your way in, you were there and you were able to kind of, uh, you know, learn trial by fire, so to speak. But I found myself like, I don't like doing that. I like to know as much as I can before I enter the arena so I can best prepare. And your book was one of those best resources. And obviously having the the background in history being, you know, like the voice of people say this to you all the time, but the voice of my childhood, you know, I grew up in the nineties, Jimmy Neutron was constantly on my TV um, to connect those dots and also have that sense of like this person I can trust. I know they're good at what they do. I sign off on reading this book and recommending it to people. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So that's just my, my long winded way of saying thank you for, for doing what you do. And I, I appreciate um, everything you've done. Um, let's start, right. We'll, we'll get into your early life quickly, but um, where did the inception for you to, to write that book and not only write it once, but create a second edition, where did this love for teaching and providing resources for, for actors come from? I never really uh, planned on teaching. I, I had a, a guest house and some of the kids, the dad was like, can you just teach my kids? And I said, okay, <laughs> we started that. And this was, you know, 15, 20 years ago that I, uh, and it kind of snowballed. It was like, there were people that heard I was teaching. Oh, can you teach my kids? So I was doing kids workshops and then uh, people at the agency would hear I was coaching and they'd want me to coach them for a, 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 a job, an audition. And um I don't know how it segued into me thinking I better just start teaching a class to get everybody on the same page of what I think is important in VO. And eventually, you know, like eight, nine years into it, I thought I have so much information and I can't cover it in my three hour class, which exhausts me now. So I thought I'd write a book and um, actually somebody um, who was a a writer on a cartoon I was doing approached me and she said, Debbie, do you ever want to write a book? And I said, yeah, I just don't know where to start. Jennifer Tresson approached me. And so she said, I know where to start. So she came over and we wrote an outline and I'd start in on the, on the chapters and the things I thought were important. And, you know, it took a good year where we would meet and we move things around. We try and make it cohesive and intelligible for subject matter. And um, finally, it was released just on Amazon, just self-published. And I bought a bunch of copies and I, you know, sold most of them. But then I thought there's so much that has changed. Um, And I started writing a second edition because everything was Recording-wise, it was a bit different. Um, uh, Competition-wise, worldwide versus LA became different. Mm-hmm. Um, things that the the auditions required were different. So I had to do an update on the book, which I did the update pretty quickly, but then pandemic hit, and I was like, oh, man, there's more. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that took a bit and we finally got that uploaded and I thought I'll just buy a few copies. Mostly I just want people to buy it on Amazon. I prefer if they just get the paper book and I know people get the Kindle and hopefully I've never read the Kindle of it. I have a Kindle, but I like, um, the way pictures come up better on, on this. Yeah. Um, I think Kindles don't always have good pictures. So I had to change, you know, my booth changed. So yeah, yeah, I wrote a second one. And at the same time, I was doing an update on my children's book. 
Baby Banana and the Licorice Tree, which I have uh, a character and an album for Baby Banana and the Licorice Tree. And so I have this children's book that I rewrote and it's very beautiful and it's also on Amazon. So um, yeah, I have a couple books so published and that's that's how that happened. I really didn't plan on it. And now I, I had to raise my rates to keep up with the, uh, there's only so much time in my day. So yeah. it's kind of automatic. People can go to Calendly dot com slash Debbie Derryberry and book a spot and I'll coach them. And I usually find that after people coach on an audition, they, they learn so much. I mean, I coach a lot of newbies, mm -hmm. but I also coach a lot of established actors that are like, Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh yeah. Let's put that. And they forget about pre-life and buttons and, and midlife and bringing it alive. And what did someone just ask you? And um, instead of just dialing it in. Yeah. No, it's, I was going to say that's so important. And, and, and no matter how, I'm sure even yourself, you, as a teacher, you're probably reminding yourself all the time about these things. Like, oh yeah, as I teach this, I, you know, remind myself to do this. It's, it's, it's easy to, I think people have this conception, you get to a certain point in your career and then that's it. You no longer are a student, but it's so important to constantly be consuming and learning and, and watching and listening to, to remind yourself how to stay uh, exactly. competitive. Exactly. I, I still take classes. I took a workshop uh, with uh, Andrea Toyas last a couple months ago. I, um, yep, yep. And uh, it's it's hard for me. In um, I just feel like I'm me, but people are like, "Oh, it's the Debbie Derryberry," and I'm like, "What is that? I'm just <laughs> me. I just I like what I do. I work. I audition a lot. I like to meet different people. I'm you know did uh, virtually is how I get to meet people now." And so um, I still will, I have a commercial uh, VO coach that I call to run, you know, I, I still coach yeah. myself because I want to be the best I can be. And I love voiceover and I find that the community of voiceover is, uh, it, I don't know, I love it. They're so welcoming and nice and cool. And it's a different uh, vibe than yeah on camera or theater it's voiceover has its own special wonderful welcoming vibe yeah and this is a great transition for us or a segue um you started out doing on camera i believe you worked with jim varney doing Ernest, one of Ernest's things, which was one of my favorite movie. I mean, Ernest goes to camp, Ernest does Halloween. All of those yeah, movies yeah. were my favorite. So I'd love to know a little bit about that experience for you and how, like even a little bit before that, how did you find your way into wanting to become an actor to getting that job to then we can talk about how that transitioned into going from, okay, I did on camera. Now let's try voiceover. How did that whole little, I know it's a little bit long here, but you know, I, I'd love to know that whole inception. Um, I didn't know what voiceover was. I was a pre-med at UCLA. Oh, so uh, was I. <laughs> you were? Not at UCLA, but I was doing pre-med for, for uh -huh. two years before I wound up switching to communications and then theater, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, I stayed in it the full, whole, full four years and I would just, I'm a singer and a songwriter. So I would go down and busk down in Westwood with my guitar and write songs in the stairwells and play at the coffee shops and pursued my studi my st studiousness, my studies. <laughs> and, um, I graduated and I'm like, I don't want to go to med school. And somebody said, you got to move to Nashville because I was into country music then. So I moved to Nashville. Uh. Just went 
And I uh, started singing my country music uh, at little bars and got a, um, a singing partner and could do harmonies and it was good fun. And then um, I had done a summer theater pro program at UCLA. In addition to all of high school, I did theater. I did community theater starting when I was eight. So I always was in theater and I was always um, loving acting, but Daddy said, you can't make a living acting. So mm. I made sure I didn't get a degree in that. So when I was in Nashville, I sang on the Ralph Emery show, which was their equivalent of a, a Johnny Carson or, you know, a late night show now. And the sax player said, you should meet this voice agent, this agent who does voiceover. And I said, all right. So she signed me uh, in Nashville and she paid for me to go next door and make a little demo um, on a cassette with three little commercials. And then um, I got cast in Tennessee Repertories Theater version of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, which is the last play I did in high school. So I did it when I was, you know, 17. I did it again when I was 27, the 12-year-old the Girl Scout. Someone saw me in that and said, will you do the little boy role in uh, Hey, Vernon's Ernest, the Saturday morning cartoon, and you dress up like a clown? I said, okay. So that was my first. Uh, and I had done a few commercials as elves, the Kroger elf or, yeah. you know, different things like that. Um, so then I got in SAG and I got to stop waiting tables because I had checks that were bigger than my waiting table checks. And um, then one thing led to another. I wrote, uh, oh, and then I was doing Ernest Goes to Camp as a body double because I'm I'm 4'10". I'm the size of a 12-year-old boy or a 10-year-old <laughs> boy. And um, in that movie, Ernest Goes to Camp, was a little kid named Scotty Manville. Mm-hmm. His mommy and me sat in the forest while they filmed and I went and stood in for the little boys um, and, you know, got my $70 a day. And uh, she said, you should do voiceover. And I said, what is voiceover? And she said, it's, you know, cartoon voices. Well, I just thought cartoon voices were those voices I didn't know was a thing. So she gave me some names of casting directors in Los Angeles, one of whom was Ginny McSwain at Marvel. I sent them my cassette, a little letter. They said, good voice. Yeah, but you have to live in LA. So um, I was getting divorced and I moved back home, moved back to Los Angeles. And Ginny uh, walked me into ICM and uh, they signed me and I started auditioning and booking about two weeks later, I started booking and that's how it's been. Uh, and I just learned on the job. And I remember my first session, I was scared to death. I, I didn't know how, to, how did it work? Yeah. So I asked Townsend Coleman, and I'm like, Townie, what do I do? And he said, you're going to be fine. This is how it's going to go. And that's something that I teach in my, when people are here, you know, for kids or whatever in person, I, we don't necessarily have paper scripts anymore, but you know, I would teach them how to do the paper slide and who to look at and whose name to remember. And if there's a famous person in that studio, they're not who you need to know. You need the writer, the director, the producer. These are the people you remember. So Hopefully I can impart that onto my voiceover students because um, behavior and uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? The um, Etiquette? Etiquette. Yeah, thank you. I'm so on the same frequency. VO in-person <laughs> etiquette okay. is something that not all people think of. And I know a lot of acting teachers and voiceover teachers will come at it from acting. 
I expect my voiceovers to already, my voiceover students to be actors. Mm -hmm. So I don't really spend a lot of time on the acting and what's your, uh, I do look on, you know, look at incentives and things like that, but I do a lot of technical uh, things, breaking things down a certain way, how to get that sound out, how to sound like you're crying. So when I teach, I, I try to give people concrete tools they can use that I've learned over the years. That's so important, especially in, uh, because unlike in, in most artistic uh, ventures, acting, singing, dancing, a lot of that stuff, it, it comes down to, you must be talented. That has to be a given. You have to be an actor, like you said. And what are the things you can put in your control? You put in control how to move your paper, how to work the microphone, where to stand, how you know inflections accessing different registers and um that's one thing i love about you that you uh and i've, I've been watching you know your tiktok videos and you've been going through and doing kind of like these breakdowns of all your characters and how you came up with these voices and things and these are these are tangible tools yeah they're that's tangible some... tools good word yeah and yeah. and it's it's and anybody who hasn't checked it out, I mean, you've gotten over a million followers, which is you know crazy. Has uh, number one, watch it for the educational value. That's the point I'm talking about. But for you, has TikTok become like this thing? Like, was it for you like, oh, this looks fun, and now it's kind of like this voiceover traditionally through the years was like nameless uh, or faceless names, right? That's what Invi the world invisible. Yes, and now. So many people are like, oh my God, that's now I know the, the, the face of the voice of Jimmy Neutron or insert anything. Has has that like changed your perception of this industry or like opened up so many other possibilities for you and what you want to do? And and this you mean TikTok? Yeah. Well, I never um I never planned on doing TikTok. I have a 21-year-old son who said, Mom, let's make a TikTok. I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's make a TikTok. And uh, so we made a few of them and then they started getting a lot of likes and, you know, he's off of college now. So I have a couple other people that help me make TikToks and we try to see what is doing well. And we look at the comments and see what people want to see. And, uh, you never know what their algorithms are or, yeah. you know, how things are going to go. But I never like said, I want to be a Tic Tac sensation. I was in Trader Joe's the other day uh -huh. and my husband and I were checking out and there was these bunch of like seventh or eighth graders like gathered like five of them like and um, the brave one came up. She said, are, are you the TikTok voiceover lady? <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was funny. And then I was at, with my son uh, at, um, I don't know, his apartment. We were outside in the front and a little girl and her mom were walking by and she said, mom, mom, it's got to be so surreal to have that now be this new yeah i mean because obviously people probably you know talk to you to the the cows come home about jimmy neutron you know but now to have that be kind of like the way people are getting to learn about you and your yeah. craft and these things that's got to be so surreal it's it's very strange and it's just a, a couple years old maybe if if that yeah. i just i don't know how it started and i don't know if i'll really continue forever but for now it's fun. We make a couple videos a month and post them and see how it goes. I just, uh, I want to keep people happy and interested and, um, yeah. Yeah. I, but, but honestly, it, it's, it's for people looking to get into this industry, you become 
somebody now, not that you weren't already, but it's the the access to people being like, that's my idol. I aspire to do this and to work on this. It's it's putting a new way of, of seeing voiceover as a tangible career again, to use mm-hmm. that word, because it was so when I was first, you know, watching video games and anime and Dragon Ball Z, I was just like, it didn't even cross my mind. You could do that. Like it didn't. Like, how do you do it? There's no yeah. course in school. You have to really want it. You have to search. Mm-hmm. How do I do it? Who can hold my hand through this? Cause nobody held my hand. Yeah. But, you know, when I did it, we didn't have cell phones. We had mm-hmm. beepers and it was, we learned as we went, but now everything is out there and you have to be prepared. Like I had time to learn how to build a home studio, to learn how to use Twisted Wave or Adobe Audition. You know, it was gradual as the need became um, more you, more common in the workplace. I learned it. But now for people who wanted to get into VO, um, it's not just, can you read? Can you get it off the page? Do you have a home studio? Mm -hmm. Do you know how to work it? Do you know how to network um, uh, through social media or because uh, it's hard to meet people? Mm-hmm. There's so much people have to do now. And I'm hopefully can lay it out for them. And you were talking about <clears throat> the acting aspect of it. There are ways to make money in voiceover, even if you're not a good actor. <laughs> I mean, I have some people that study with me and they have started from square one. I mean, I've held their hand through getting the iPad and getting the twisted wave, getting the microphone, getting your booth set up. And they're not quite ready for an agent yet, but there's lots of ways people can scout out auditions, whether it's the pay to plays or, um, you know, even wind it way back to Fiverr mm-hmm. or your work or whatever that is. Um <clears throat> There are ways to get auditions. And it's interesting that when you start, it, obviously, as you know, it's <clears throat> it's all about the number of auditions you do. It's, what's the right word I'm looking for? A numbers game, so to speak? It, it's or? a numbers game, but it's also, um, like I, I would say I probably do, I book like one out of every 150 auditions. Yeah, it's I get, having that, uh, that, that um, you have ratio. To, you have to like the process. The journey is what you have to like. Because mm-hmm. you might be dry for two years. You might not book anything. So yeah. you, I love coming into my computer and I see the auditions come in. And I'm like, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. It's just fun for me. Yeah. So it has to be fun. If that part of it isn't fun, and if you take every audition as, oh, I didn't get it, I'm rejected, it is not the job for you. Yeah. We've had so many people that's the, it's so true. Just talk about how the, the importance of fun. And I think you see the successful people in this industry. They often have a smile on their face. They often love what they do. They love their characters. They're, you know, like there's so much of that that is apparent, I think, uh, because it, it, this industry is so competitive. It is so, um, it, it's very hard to make a living on doing just this. It is, but you have to devote enough time to be able to get five to six auditions a day done, yep. which comes to 25 to 30 auditions a week at least. Mm-hmm. And is your voice going to be okay after a full shift at the restaurant, after stocking shelves all night at Target? You know, it's, it's going to be tough. 
I, I went on vacation. Like, you know, they always say, if you want to book something, plan a vacation. Yes. And I went away yes. and I booked three commercials that they had to record that week. And I did it. I wound up doing it all the way from the Caribbean. I recorded you three did. commercials. Yeah. I, cause so I bring my, tell me, tell me what rig you take with you. So I take my 416. I take uh, uh, an Evo 4 or a Scarlet Solo, whatever one's more close, just a quick little interface, uh-huh, uh-huh. my MacBook Air. And then when I build everything, I have like a Joby Gorillapod. Like I have like one of these things. It's not this one, but I have something yeah. like this. I attach it in the closet to like one of the the, the hanging poles. And I have the, so I have the shotgun mic and I just take every pillow and towel and anything you can find of seat cushions. I stuff them in there and that's becomes a booth. And yeah. I was able to do, do source connect. I, you know, I was just talking with people about this. Like you can, everyone is obsessed with this idea of like, it's gotta be the perfect this or perfect that it, you have to, you have to be right for the, for the spot. I believe you have to be good enough for them to be like, yeah, we'll work with you no matter where you are, you know? And if you can do that but and you don't tell them where you are. That too. That's that's a, they, so they booked me, and then that that came upon the situation when they were like, "I'm like, okay, is my Wi-Fi going to be good enough?" And it was. That was the most good. important part. You had like, good yeah, good enough Wi-Fi yeah. to connect. Excellent. Yeah, I take um, I take my um Mojave. I yep. I have a Mojave 50. I, I tried a lot of mics. I've tried the new Neumanns. Tried them all. The Mojave is what works for me. So I take my mic. I take. I found this interface that's half the size of your cell phone, maybe twice as thick. It's called the a cent- oh. cent- Centris. Okay. Uh, George told me about it. George Whitman. And it yeah. is cute as a bug. And um, I just have to show it to you. It's so Please. And then I just, I have this, I'm really little, as we said. <laughs> I have a, a pop-up tent. One of those kids' pop-up tents. Yes. And I just throw a little blankie over it. And then I um, climb inside. I use the little tray, little t- TV table on the patio and bring it on in. Here's my Centris. Oh, that is amazing. Isn't it nice? You have uh, this way. It has yeah. the XLR plug-in in one end. Yep. And it has a limiter, which if you're doing animation, the Scarlet right. is a good interface, but I don't really recommend it when you're doing animation. Yes. Because yeah. it doesn't have like the Apollo Twin. It doesn't have a compressor or a limiter. So for my travel, I always use the Centris. And then at home, I have the Apollo Twin because I mostly do animation. So if you have either of those, you can do commercial. But if you have a Scarlet, it makes it tough to be like Warner Brothers big and then small, you know? Yes. Very true. And that's, I mean, I use the Apollo. It's right behind me over there. And yeah, the, exactly the, the point. You don't want to be worrying about those things, especially when you're on the road, like worrying yeah. about you know, being the engineer and also having a good performance. You don't want to have that interrupt your your workflow or then realize, okay, mm-hmm. that didn't work. We got to, you know, that it just wastes time. And that's why it's so important to be so good at it before you are ready. Like when people say, I want to get an agent. I'm like, oh, hold the phone. Yeah. There's a few steps because if you get an agent, <laughs> they're going to send you an audition. Can you turn five auditions around in an afternoon? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, you have to get really familiar with the equipment, like learning a new device or something. It's it's a big deal. So yes. to have our travel rigs, that's another thing that just came into play. I mean, Cipriano, he just took his tri-booth to Europe. I'm not yeah. going to travel with a tri-booth, but <laughs> it is a, it's a, it's a great booth if yeah. you don't mind lugging it. You know, mm-hmm. it's too big for me to lug, which is why I have the little pop-up tent. <laughs> and that's great for you. You know, what, like what a, works for you? 
It looks like a Jimmy Neutron rocket ship, actually. It's really ah. <laughs> well, there's another great, I love perfect segues because I would love to talk about, obviously, we would be foolish here not to uh, inquire about, you know, uh, your your amazing and beloved work on Jimmy Neutron. Do you have, do you remember the experience of getting that audition being like, okay, what's going on here, whether they gave you art or not? What's going on with that head? What's going on with that hairdo? Do you remember that process or, or it was just like, okay, I booked this thing, I'm going into recording recorded and then what the heck just did this turn into um it was much slower the process uh-huh. was much slower that was the day where you got a page you call your agent they tell you to show up at bell sound you go there they have a sign-in sheet and you see who all's been there and you know everyone who did little boy voices was there nancy cartwright and eg and pamela adlon you know everybody's there uh, but you didn't see them. They were out. And I hadn't done little boy voices. I was a little girl voice. So I was like, I don't have texture in my little boy voice. Yeah, I don't have that thing, but they do. Yeah. So I had to do it straight with no texture. And when they called and said, yes, they want you to do Johnny Quasar, which is what it was called. I yeah. said, well, great. And it was just a five-minute interstitial. So things start out really uh, then it was just, you know, that's how the Simpsons started. Just little um, the Trace, Tracy Ullman show shorts. So um, then they did a few of these interstitials and they sent me the VCR, VHS tape. And um, I thought that looks really cool. It looks so good. What is that? Computer animation? That's cool. Uh-huh. And then next, um, I don't know, a few months later, they said, we're going to do a movie. And I'm like, well, that's cool. A movie. And uh these days, you don't get a principal role in a movie because it all goes to celebrities. Yeah. So then they said, you're going to do a cartoon series. So it was very slow. And it wasn't until, you know, it starts airing. And then it was great that it was on the air. But now all the kids who watched it are in their 20s because mm-hmm. it's 20 years old now. And they have set. And now we have social media and we have uh, like it was trending on Twitter, the 20 year anniversary. So I think it's bigger now than it was then, but it's always been a smart cartoon. As a parent, I was happy to have my kid watch it and people still know it. You know, as voice actors, we wait for that one gig that people know. Like I've been working steadily since then. You know, I, Jumanji and F is for family and um, Bobby's world and uh, Jumanji and um, Monster High. High You know, it goes on and on and on. F is for family and Guild Wars 2 and Genshin Impact, just, yep. I'm in a lot of things, but there's that one thing that people remember. Yeah. And uh, it's it's lovely that people remember, and I am grateful. But at the same time, I, I don't feel like in, I'm any kind of celebrity status or uh, um, that I live in any kind of luxury. You know, I work hard. Every day I'm up, I go swimming, I, I eat breakfast, I walk the dogs, I get in my studio and I start. Mm-hmm. I work all day until it's time to lunch and we come back in here, we take about a 30 minute lunch. It's it's a lot of time. I don't want to mm-hmm. say it's hard work because I like it. Of course. But it's work, right? Yeah. It's, it's all day. It's and a- I... Yeah. I took I took a 20 minute nap today. I laid down for 20 minutes. I thought, do I have time? So I set the timer and then come back. Yeah, I think it's very important what you're saying here because people have this uh, 
maybe idea that like, oh, you know, people live in this high life and it's all glamour and you show up for a recording once a week, like you're on the sitcom set ske- uh, schedule, so to speak. You show up for one day of rehearsal and then you tape one night and that's it. It's the, 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 the life of a journey, a journey, journeyman voice actor is day in, day out. You're pump, pumping out auditions. I mean, how many times are you getting offers? I'm sure they come through for things and people are requesting you for things and asking you, but like you said, you're still sending in six auditions a day. And it is, it is hard work by the standard of you have to be on your A game and focused and you have to put in 110% because you're competing against everybody else. Who's also, you know, EG and not just, not just the world, you're not just LA, but the world now Yeah, I'm competing with the world. Yeah. It's it's I'm glad for my, my listeners to to hear that because uh, a lot of people, the blessing and the curse of social media is they see this now as a great opportunity to hey I want to do that I would love to do that I'd love to be the voice of a cartoon, mm-hmm. but you gotta you gotta love every ounce of this industry if you want to have a career in it because it's not always you're not always going in to record Jimmy Neutron or Genshin Impact or yeah. whatever it might be sometimes you're in there recording, you know. Uh, a dubbing show or something where you're making, you know, $73 instead of a thousand dollars, but it's what I love to do. Yeah. And, um, I was going to say something else. I can't remember what it was. Okay. Uh, Well, I was going to ask when you were doing, um, Jimmy Neutron and, and series at that time, were you doing prelay where you're recording with the cast and stuff? Is that where you, you were recording? Do you have any like, uh, memorable moments from you know working with or on like with rob paulson or like where a, a moment that just stood out that you were like this is what it's all about being in this room with other actors and, and recording um to say this is what it's all about it, it implies that i always wanted to do it and i'm always looking for that mm. but i i never have looked for it this is what it's all about to me this is my life this yeah. is what i do great point there are really fun times when you get to be together in the booth, which we used to be. And um, I'm sort of the straight man, like Rob Paulson, Mark DiCarlo, Jeff Garcia. These are funny people, mm-hmm. you know, and when the director lets them run loose, it's mayhem. Yeah. And actors need to be stroked to get them to be funny. Um, me, I'm more the businessman, the straight person. <laughs> but then they realized that time is money. Yeah. And you put the headphones on these actors and then they just go crazy and you never get them like, come on, rein it in, people. So they started recording one at a time and they got a lot more done. Mm. Sometimes they'll invite two people in at once if they really need that camaraderie. They need that back and forth. But it's a, it doesn't happen as much anymore. Yeah. I think... They're, now that they know how to work clean feed and that you're not um, limited by the um, the voice delay in Zoom when you're all together, I think they're figuring it out how you can record all together. But it's um, it's changed so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I don't have any of those moments. I enjoy all all of it, and yeah, Rob is amazing to work with. And yeah. I I uh, when we did um, I forget which show, but being in the booth with D. Bradley Baker, mm. I can't be in the booth with him, Paul. No. He's too funny. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't. How am I supposed to keep a straight face with that man? He's, oh, yeah. 
absolutely brilliant and hilarious. Um, but I, I, I've got to work side by side with these people who are now considered icons, you know, yeah. Jim Cummings and Rob Paulson and, and everybody, yeah. everybody who's, it's, it's, it's really different to look back and say those were the good old days, you know, Bob Birkin hmm. and sorry, my dogs, it's that walkie time. Ah, no worries. We'll get you out of here very soon. I want to ask a couple of very important yeah. questions, but you're, you're, I, I loved your answer there. And that's actually, I think the, I'm so glad you, you, you addressed it that way because that is, it's, you love what you do and it doesn't matter. There's no expectation of what it should or shouldn't be. It is, and this is the life and you love the, the good and what some people might consider the bad or the not so good, whatever it is, every, every moment of it is, is, you know, you make your choices. So I like, I try to make choices that I will say that's good. Yes. Yeah. I love that. What, what about having, you know, you work on these characters sometimes? Um, Well, actually better question. Is there, is there a project because we talk about, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Neutron, it's, it's a, it's a big title and people think of it as this celebrity thing, but it's, you know, 90, it's, it's 1% of the work that you do. There's 99% of these other things. Is there a project or a character or a spot that you did that's lesser known that you really, really enjoyed? And you like, I wish people could see that. Cause I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah. There's one on, um, it's now on Hulu. It's on Cartoon Network, um, called Tigtone, T-I-G-T-O-N-E. Uh-huh. And it's written a little bit like Roald Dahl. It's if you combined Game of Thrones with Monty Python oh. and a little South Park, oh. you'd get this cartoon that's insane, Paul. It's <laughs> and it's it's the character Tigtone, who's this hero on quests, and he has a purple um, uh, sidekick mm-hmm. named Helpy. And I I found this voice where. I don't know how it comes out of me. It doesn't have me, but it shows you Tigtone. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's gorgeous. And the voice and I do roll. for the, the little purple monster. Uh, I, I'm happy. I like to help. My appendages pull it off. It will regenerate. Uh. He's so funny. And it was it's such a good show. I hope that it'll come back in some way but uh-huh. that one is great and then there was another one i uh did five seasons on that i wish more people watched uh a bill you know bill burr is of course f is and, for uh, family yeah, yeah f is for family i got to do seven characters on that show yeah 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 and each one for me is a different person and it's fun to inhabit them and to move from from philip the kid down the street into um, Bridget, the girl down the street who has a very foul mouth and she'll curse you up one side and down the next. <laughs> and then Maureen is daddy's little princess. And then Kitty, he wears a diaper and his mama's in the people zoo. Isn't that such a gift when they give you the opportunity to to play around and, and yeah. to, to put your kind of flavor on more than just one character and to yeah. have the trust from a, a company or studio writers to, to be like, yeah, Debbie can kill all these. Yeah. Well, if it, I don't know that I was cast as one character. Yeah. And they said, try this one. And then, you know, you show what you've learned for 30 years and they say, try this one mm-hmm. again. And, and working with people like uh, Mo Collins from, uh, you know, Mad TV, and she's just brilliant looking at her characters 
and uh, with Kevin Michael Richardson and his character. So they have these celebs, Laura Dern and Bill Burr, as the core. Yep. And then they pepper it with seasoned voice actors, rank and file voice actors that <laughs> can fill in the show. And yeah. it's it's a it's great fun and satisfying. Really satisfying. I've watched the show. Uh almost every season, I believe. I think there's what, six seasons, right? I think I've watched like four or five. five I think. Oh, yeah, so I've yeah. watched like four of them. It's so hilarious. I mean, Bill Burr is, is phenomenal. And I love his- uh... And as the show went on, he started developing new characters too. Like his priest, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I also, then show. there were babies. And that's my specialty is babies. So there's two babies, but then they go to baby class and there's 10 babies. Me. oh my gosh great so how about the toy story aliens where wh- wh- how, how was that whole process for you in terms of like <sighs> figuring that that voice out and and uh like you're you're not just one you're you know this whole hey, you're you're gonna you're gonna just not believe how simple this one was okay. it was a loop it was an adr group mickey yeah. mcgowan would bring us in and we do these pixar films and there'd be 13 of us in the room for eight hours at doc's stage b at disney this big, beautiful studio where they, a soundstage, where they bring you snacks and treats all day. And they say, okay, we got these uh, aliens in a gumball. We're at Pizza Planet. Um, Debbie, Danny, Jess, um, get up there and uh, just make some noise as aliens. And then you want the fork to pick you. Mm-hmm. So if somebody give me a pick me, somebody give me, um, here comes the claw. And then we all just, they say, go. And we go, oh, the claw, pick me, pick me. This process took about a minute, mm-hmm. maybe two minutes. And you never know when you're doing something, what is going to stick, what's going to pop out. You know, for the viewers now that watch Toy Story, they love, pick me, pick me. Well, that's my voice. Yeah. And I didn't, it, who knew? It was yeah. just a movie. I didn't know, we didn't know it was going to do great. We didn't know it was going to be iconic. We didn't know that 20 years later, Disney was going to, I also did the voice of Pizza Planet, mm-hmm. you know, um, Waldman party of six, please come pick up your pizza. It's ready. <laughs> I got a call 20 years later. They wanted to know who did that voice of that. And the looping coordinator takes notes. And so they called me at, to go in and do the voice for the Pizza Planet ride. 22 years later, please keep your arms and legs inside the ride and all that, that thing. Wow. It's just, you never know. Uh-huh. How, the smallest how, job can explode. Yeah, and that's why you always got to show up and have your A game. I mean, we'll we'll keep reiterating that. But what what about with with titles like that or things that you've worked on in the past or Monster High, Jimmy Neutron, these things you've worked on for so long? Do you find that you know over time you wind up and even if it's for family, you know these characters so well that you almost know them just as good, if not better, than the writers, and that like yeah. your instincts are are almost like constantly kicking in and adding flavor do you are you wanting to take those liberties to to kind of be like i know this like i want to i want to add this flavor i think they want you to take that flavor after you know the characters like when i go in to do a video game of a character i've done you know 10 12 years later there's always different writers but they they actually default to the character they're like and and i'll say this this she wouldn't say this or he wouldn't say this yeah and for the most part, they're pretty good, but because the writers change so much, they do depend on you to know your character and would your character do that and say that. 
and I, I can live in that character, you know, and all the characters for F is for family. I can live in Jimmy Neutron. I can live in Draculaura. I'm, you want to give something to it, to decorate it, to give the animators something to, to color, mm-hmm. um, to make them laugh, to bring it alive. If you think there's a giggle there, put it there. I think a lot of act, voice actors are married to the words on the script. Yeah. In commercial, you are. But in animation, I would say never yeah. stick to the words only, especially for audition. When you go in to do the job, they may have you stick to the script. But when you audition for the job, that's a whole different story. 99% of the people are going to read what's there on the page. There's 1% of us that are going to decorate it. Right? That's what we talk about in the beginning, you know, the, your, your pre-life, your, your mid-life, these breaths, these sighs, these laughs, anything you can do to make the character come off the page and not just be words written. It's all right in the book. I would love to, I would love to talk about that a little, uh, sorry, you said you're, you're working on a new project right now uh, with video, I believe is what you said. Is, what is this new uh, form of, co- are you doing like online video coaching? What is this new project oh, that you're working well, on? Well, I've, I've been video coaching since pandemic, but mm-hmm. um this next class I'm teaching is specifically going through this book. And okay. I'm, I'm just doing three sessions, three, two hour ish sessions. I have a class full of people who got in and, and then I'll edit it and I'll have a six hour video where I can, people can watch it and learn everything I know. Amazing. And I'll be able to hopefully have it you know, on my website and people can get it and it'll be much more affordable than paying my hourly rate for six hours. And you'll be able to know, you know, what I'm really talking about Mm -hmm. because I'm going through it with you. And I do enjoy teaching, but I would like people who can't afford my hourly rate to be able to learn what it is I want them to know. That's amazing. I, and it, I, I want to keep it recommend. affordable. Yeah, that's not everybody has the same access to things, and as more and more people become interested, it's a a, a way smarter investment to try out these things that aren't you know you're you're not you, you don't invest in the six week course with the demo reel at the end and the studio bricks right up front. Like learn the things that you can in this way, and 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 have it be quality content. That's you know you may not have the the back and forth that you might have being the student in the class, but you can always take the class. After yeah. you watch the video. You can do a private with me after you have learned the basics of what it is I have to share with you. Cause I mm. I feel like I share in a different way with people. I want to give you tools that you can use. These are fail safe uh tools mm. that if you use them, something will happen. Yes. I would, uh, we have a couple more minutes here and then we have a question. I would love to ask you, I know there's some stuff and share with me what you can. I know the whole lay of the land of NDA stuff. Um, I, I hear there's talk of a Paramount Plus Jimmy Neutron series coming out. I don't know if that's official stuff you can talk about as well as something on your IMD that says Nicktoons announced. I don't know how much of this stuff oh, you can share. You know, I, I really don't know what that Nicktoons thing is. I, I don't know. Huh. And, um, Nickelodeon would never, Paramount Plus would never share uh, that with me. So I have no idea. I do know there's a lot of fans. I know Discord is huge, especially for Mark DiCarlo. And um, when I'm on Discord, people are nuts. I know my fan base, my, my, I have Jimmy Neutron on my TikTok. One of them hit 12 million. Wow. 
Um, there are a lot of fans out there. And I know that if Jimmy Neutron came back, it would be well-received and I would love to do it. Yes. But I don't have any information to share. I wish I did. All right. The question ends there. That's all I need to hear. Um, Keith, uh, I would love for you to bring in one of our uh, audience questions. We have people write in. You can email info at points of experience podcast and send in a video or written question. I believe we have a written question today. Uh, if you don't mind bringing that up for Debbie right now. Yep. And this question is from Raka Swift. I, I saw you do a damn bony animation class from your Twitter. How was your experience oh. working with the students in that class? Danny uh, Bowman is uh, on the spectrum and she has her master's in animation. She was also one of the stars in Love on the Spectrum. I've been working with Danny for about four or five years now and she's very devoted to her craft and she has uh, learned how to um, overcome her um, the things that she has. I think she's autistic, but for being on the spectrum, um, she knows how to work with autistic kids who mm -hmm. are artists and she'll call me in and I will teach for these kids on the spectrum and I will keep it, you know, limited to what I can do in the short period of time that I teach there. Um, I find they're brilliant. Um, everybody has their own limitations as far as communication or being able to handle loud noises because in animation, there is a lot of highs and lows. And for, I think, most of the people on the spectrum, that is difficult. Um, but what I want to work with, with them, work on with them is, um, you know, giving them some tools, encouraging them, uh, showing them the, the tricks to, because there's, there's some good readers. There are some people on the spectrum who, are stilted readers mm -hmm. and there's tricks like pianists when they play a piece on the piano, the repetition, people don't realize that if you repeat these five words in a row, like a tongue twister, you're going to train those mouth muscles to do it. So there's little tricks I use with them that I might not use with somebody who's not on the spectrum, but I applaud Danny for all she does and her aunt Sandy, who's been so supportive. And I, I love the girl and it's very impressive all she's done. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And uh, a, a wonderful show to watch if you haven't seen it, Love on the Spectrum. She's uh, fantastic and um, a true lover of animation. And if you... If but you, she's one of those people that she works it. She doesn't yeah. just talk about it. She's working on it all day, every day. And it's what she loves to do. And that's what makes any job fun is that it's your passion. Mm-hmm. It has, you have to like it. You have to be yeah. passionate about it. Even people who like um, things that might s seem like what you don't want to do, like building stone patios. Sure. It's people's passions. And yeah. like, I don't ever want to do that. <laughs> but people want to do that because they love it. And exactly. that's the bottom line. And that's where the art is in it too. Um, you see people doing these fantastic things and breaking, you know, new barriers and, and seeing things that have never been done before because people love what they do. And even though one thing might seem boring or mundane to you, or, you know, some people might see voiceover and be like, why do you want to do that? It's people love it. And that's what's the beauty of yep. various different careers is. It's um, what I do. I didn't know it was what I was going to do. I just fell into it and uh -huh. there's no roadmap. I wish there was a roadmap. Dear Debbie, how do I get into voiceover? 
Well, <laughs> well, you have provided a lot of tools and then you are continuing to do so for people. So while there might not be a roadmap, there are kind of little breadcrumbs that you're leaving along the way for people to pick up and hopefully mm-hmm. lead them to a path that works for them. And um, everybody's story is different. Yep. There is no one size fits all. I, I would love to ask you uh, to, as our last question here, as we let you go, um, I would love to know, as the show is called Points of Experience here, has there been a, a an experience you've had in your life that truly resonated with you and you you learned from and it stands out amongst uh, many of the other experiences I'm sure you've had where you're like, wow, I really learned something there and I'd love to pass that nugget of wisdom on to somebody else. No, there's not just one, but I can give you a couple. Can you pull I, one from the tree, just the closest apple? <laughs> when I was uh, in that forest doing um, backup and stand-in work for the boys, mm-hmm. somebody opened a door for me. Scotty's mommy, Dottie Mendel, opened a door for me and I went through it. So if you can be aware of when a door is opening, Mm. not to hem and haw, run, don't walk through that door because you never know how long that door is going to be open and you never know when an opportunity is going to come your way again. So opportunities, when people say, you know, look for your opportunities, it's a real thing. They do happen. You know, you meet somebody and um, I'm working with a a kid right now. Uh, He wants to move out here and he's helping me so much on a certain thing. And I connected him with somebody. Mm -hmm. I did a letter of introduction for him. It's on him. But to make that connection is something that neither of us was expecting. Yeah. But it makes me feel so good to be able to do that. And that is a door that that is opening for him. So yeah, look for those open doors and go through them. Yeah, it sounds like he's also uh, doing something that I always really love to preach and, and talk about is like providing value if you can to somebody, not just asking, seeing a way that they can, you can um, be a help to somebody in a way that you may not even know. Because um, he's know. pursuing his passion. And for me, when I see people being persistent, even if they're, just beginning in voiceover, even if they don't have the chops that they need to get an LA agent. When I see persistence, that really uh, impresses me. I like that. Because if you're persistent, that means you're going to work hard and you're going to bring your game to the project and you're not going to slack please, anything you'd like to share, any shows, where can people find you, all of that good stuff. Uh, my website is debbiederryberry.com. It's spelled kind of weird, but here it is, debbiederryberry. There you go. We'll put, and, we'll put um, it in the show notes. Thank you. And then um, if you have kids or preschoolers in your life, please go to Spotify and listen to all my kids' music. I have three award-winning preschool albums out and um i love singing to preschoolers and it's so much fun and i have the best version of the wheel on the bus you've ever heard in your life and then um i also have a band called honey pig and if you want to go to uh, the instagram for honey pig music um at honey pig music um you can see where we're singing it's a three-part chick harmony country folk kind of band um music is my thing and also um Yes, if you uh, want to find the book on Amazon, you guys are going to put the link there. Yeah. And ah, 
Any Linux, shows people uh, should watch? Any any shows? Anything that anything that people you uh, uh, coming out or just came out that you want people to 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 look out for? Yeah, I'd love it if people would. There's a PC game called Guild Wars Two, and the new chapter End of Dragons is out, which is really good and fun to play. And of course, Genshin Impact is out, and I'm Tubby, this sort of penguin-looking thing. <laughs> um, and do watch Evis for Family on Netflix because it's it unless you're. You have to be like 17. Don't watch it if you're not 17 because it's a little bit raunchy. <laughs> little, little tiny bit harsh. Uh. Um, and then uh, if you watch the new Minions movie, Rise of Gru, I have a lot of extra voices in that. Amazing. Oh, amazing. We'll make so sure that's to what's put going this. On. We'll, we'll make sure to put some in the intro and outro. We're going to play some of your, your music and we'll link everything to your classes and your book because it's not only amazing stuff that people should watch out. There's fantastic resources that I want to make sure people have access to. So and thank follow you so me much. on follow me on TikTok. Heck yes. I, I, I highly recommend following there because it's entertaining, educational, and everything you could ask for, especially somebody like myself who grew up uh, watching and listening to everything you've worked thank on. You. So, so get vaccinated, spay and neuter your dogs. I'm done. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. The absolutely vibrant and amazing Debbie Derryberry. Uh, That was such a treat. Everybody says it, and I've said it. I said in the podcast, when you talk about the voices of your childhood, I mean, even like JJ the Jet Plane, um, you know, uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. There's just so much stuff that, I mean, Genshin Impact 2, you know, I'm a huge fan of that. Crash Bandicoot. So many things that uh, I, I grew up watching and uh, she's just so nice and gives back to this community. She's in it for life. You know, this is her her life and she lives and breathes this and you can tell everything she does, she's she's putting a, a billion percent into and there's, you know, she fell into it and, and this is where she is. Um, and I really respected everything she had to say. Even with like TikTok, you know, there's no absolutes. She's doing what she's doing now and she she loves it and she's having fun. And who knows what's next? Um, just love what you do and have fun. And and she does that in everything she does. I mean, even, you know, she was talking about writing a children's book and doing music and providing videos for people to learn voiceover. Keith, can we please pull up some of Debbie's uh, fantastic music that uh you know, I wanted to make sure we got her out at a time. Hey, Keith, can we bring up uh, some of Debbie's music here on Spotify for, for our listeners here? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Won't you sing along? Oh, my God. Come on now. Sing along. I know you know it. <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, that's fantastic. H, I, J, K. Yeah. That, that is amazing. If you have kids, I can just imagine if everything is in that same genre and that style. Uh, it, if you have kids, please check that out. Uh, that is phenomenal. And she also has a bunch of YouTube videos on her personal YouTube, which, you know, uh, YouTube, Der- Debbie Derryberry. And um, we're going to link everything, like we said, in the description so you can find everything we talked about there and get access to her books, her classing, her, her uh, coaching, all of that amazing stuff. Um, and the children's books as well. They're phenomenal. Uh, what a great soul. Debbie, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's an honor to have spoken with you. And um, that was amazing. 
Again, thank you everybody for supporting the podcast. If you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. Points of Experience Podcast. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you'd like to have on the show. Review us and follow us on Spotify. Give us a comment on YouTube. What did you think? All of that great stuff. Um, we appreciate you and we hope to continue uh, providing some points of experience for you. 